You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Without further ado, we're going to get into the Word of God this morning. And so if you have your Bibles, love for you to turn with me to the book of Philippians. So we are continuing on in the book of Philippians. We've been doing it since last fall, actually. Last August, September, we started this. And really the whole purpose, the whole purpose of this season in our church is just to go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, real slow, like no rush, no need to rush, uh, through this letter, and just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Because we believe that the Word of God talks about the Word of God, and what it says, one of the things it says, is that the Bible, the canonized Bible we have, the 66 books put into one book, is actually the Word of God. Like, we believe that. We believe that here at Reality, that it is, when we open this, when we read these verses today, that these are God's words, they're God-breathed, God-inspired, and they're profitable for us. God wants to speak to us through his word, and he just wants to allow his Holy Spirit to minister to on a really deep level. And what's neat is the majority of scripture is actually supposed to be meant to be read in a communal setting, especially a letter. So, right, this is a letter. It says Philippians 4. We call it a book. This is a letter from Paul the Apostle to a church in the city of Philippi. There are a bunch of Philippians, Christian believers in the city of Philippi, reading this. And so by the time this letter that Paul had penned in prison in Rome, that's where he was when he wrote it, when it finally made the journey to Philippi, weeks, months later, they would get it. They would A piece of mail, you know, a scroll would be read they would gather the church in community, and they would read this letter. And again, Paul the Apostle was, helped start this church. He's the help, he helped found it. And uh, Paul the Apostle is a big deal. And so if you get a piece of mail, you know, get a scroll in the mail, uh, whoever delivers it, probably Epaphroditus at the time, when you read it in a communal setting, it was just powerful just by the reading of it, God was going to use it. And so that's why uh, here at Reality... Us just even reading scripture, we believe, is powerful. Then we just expand on it a little bit and pray that God uses it. So let's pray. I mean, excuse me. Let's read these verses and let's pray and allow the Holy Spirit to, to speak through God's inspired words. So picking up in this letter from where we were last week, Paul the Apostle writing to this church in Philippi says this. Verse 4, chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, thank you once again 
that we have your word in front of us in this very room, in this very part of the world, at this time in history. We take this as a gift. God, we do not for one second want to take this for granted. We, I can't even believe we have your word in our language, in our hand today. We can freely read it. We can freely proclaim it. We are grateful for this opportunity. But God, we don't want to miss out on all that you have. So we say, have your way with us, Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would use me as your mouthpiece to communicate these truths. And God, like any Sunday, this text is so relevant for today. The idea to not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, present our request to you, and you say that your peace will come upon us and will literally guard our hearts and minds against anxiety and stress. Oh God, we need that. We need that so bad. All of us are coming in here with a bunch of stuff that we're anxious about. We want to experience your peace today. So God, help us to walk and experience your peace in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> well, a lot of us might know this Specifically, that idea of don't be anxious about anything. It's windy. <laughs> um, sorry if it gets distracting. But I think all of us can be really honest that today is really relevant. Because more than any time in the world, we are an anxious people. I think if you did a quick search, I think we might be the most anxious and stressed generation that has come yet. So God here through the Apostle Paul to this church, brings up some pretty incredible promises. And there is, there's a handful of stuff going on in these verses. It just isn't only about anxiety. But we're going to camp out there. But the two things that stand out to me is the idea of joy and peace. Right in verse 4 today, Paul tells them, and he's told them multiple times before, and he'll say it again to other groups of believers. He always brings them back to the idea of rejoicing in the Lord. Right? Rejoice in the Lord always, he says. And he said, if you didn't hear that, I'll say it again. Rejoice. What's so interesting about this idea of joy, let alone happiness or contentment, all those things seem elusive, right? To just walk in joy and happiness and contentment all the days of your life, that seems like good luck, right? If someone was just going to say, rejoice in all that you have going on. You lost your job, rejoice. Relational drama, rejoice. Have no money, rejoice, right? But that's what the Bible's saying. You're like, how? How? Because again, when we think this idea of joy or happiness, or contentment. Again, if we're honest, we probably, if we were going to say, hey, how's your joy? You could probably say, well, it's probably fickle. It probably ebbs and flows with how we think our life is going. Got a job promotion. Joyful. Lost your job. Super bummed. Lots of money, joyful, no money, not joyful, right? Like we are on a roller coaster. A lot of us, a lot of humanity is on a roller coaster. 
But what Paul is saying is that is actually not the way of Jesus. That is not the way of the Christian. The Christian, the follower of Jesus, their joy is actually to be found in Jesus. Not of the things of the world. We're going to get to, to, to that in a second. So Paul brings that up. Paul talks about how to rejoice and how to find joy. But he also talks about today is anxiety. Right? Anxiety. What's interesting is, remember when this letter was written 2,000 years ago to a very different culture? What was happening in the church in Philippi, in the Christian community? People were stressed. People were anxious. They were anxious enough that Paul had to point it out. It's only, this letter isn't long. It's four chapters. There's no chapters in Paul's letter. It's not long. He knew enough about this church. He knew enough about humanity to say, to, to address anxiety. And like I said, it plagues us now. It plagued them then. It plagues us now. And again, some of us more than others. But we are, by very nature, a very anxious and stressed out culture. We try to just live in perpetually managing our stress. Right? That's probably what most of us would agree to. Okay, there's this first idea that Paul brings up. Joy in Jesus. Right? That, that first verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. So the Christian's joy. I want to talk about it. It's very different. Again, you could call this contentment or happiness. For the Christian is actually to be found and rooted in Jesus. One of the most powerful and transformative shifts that can happen in the life of any of us that come to Jesus is knowing what really matters in this life and what doesn't. See, pre-Jesus, pre-knowing Jesus, you, whatever matters to you is only like whatever matters to you. Subjective. It's, it's, it's all like, well, you grew up in this type of family, so in order to be happy, I want this type of family. Or I need to make this much money, or I need to have this type of house, or I need to have this size family, or I need to get married at this age, right? It's all subjective. It's all relative. And society would churn out an idea of what contentness or joy is. But if you do not know Jesus, you, I hope people would admit this, but they're not there yet. You're on a perpetual hamster wheel of just trying to be happy. You're just trying to be fulfilled. You're just trying to get the next thing. And you know what happens when you get that thing? You want something else. Right? The grass is always greener. There's always something better. There's always something bigger. You finally got the car you wanted, and you're like, hmm, new model comes out next year. I got to work for that. Right? It's, like, it's like the story of the world. But when you come to know Jesus, one of the most transformative and life-changing things can happen is you get a view of eternity. You get a view of what really matters and what doesn't matter. And you realize our life now is just a vapor. It's a mist. You're here today and you're not tomorrow. You're not promised tomorrow. Doesn't mean you can't have nice things. That's not what I'm saying. That doesn't mean you can't work hard. Doesn't mean you can't have money. That doesn't, that's not what I'm saying. But when you come to know Jesus, one of the most radical things that can happen in your life is your whole mindset, your whole perspective of what really matters changes. 
And what happens then, then your joy and what affects your joy also changes. Because, right, if it's really not about the things of the world, then it really doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't really matter if you have that car or not. It doesn't really matter if you have that job a lot. Again, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't strive and be successful. That doesn't, that's not what I'm saying. But our whole paradigm changes in the person of Jesus. Right? What we truly value and what affects, uh, and, and the, the effect that it has in our life changes. Because, right, without Jesus, so much can leave you so unhappy and discontent. Like, that's just, like, it's so easy. Like, you wake up by, like, in 8 a.m., you're good. You get an email at 8.15, day's over sometimes. Like, day is really over. We all, you work, like, crazy jobs, so all of you guys have to navigate that daily and weekly. But if you're just trying to avoid pain and conflict and just always just try to find joy in all these temporal things, like, good luck. Right? And so that's why Paul's not saying to this church in Philippi, just be successful and have a lot of money and buy this and do that. Then you're going to be happy and joyful, church. He said, regardless of what happens, rejoice in the Lord. Let me say it again. Rejoice in the Lord. Paul is trying to remind them and shift their whole paradigm of what should bring them joy. Because, right, the good and bad things of this world are not supposed to be our ultimates and our everythings. They, whatever happens in this life isn't meant to determine our whole well-being. That doesn't mean that we have to fake it or we can't feel like we very much should care and, we, and things are painful and things are, are, we should be happy and we should be joyful. We can feel pain. Like, of course, God gives us those feelings. But the, the difference for the Christian is our deep sense of joy and purpose shouldn't be wrapped up in the here and now. And over and over, if you're going to study Paul's letters, which I think would be a great study, look at like all 13 of his letters in the New Testament. What is he always trying to do? One of the things he's always trying to do is he's trying to remind everyone to have a heavenly mindset. Remember where your citizenship, it's not on earth, it's in heaven. Remember what you should dwell upon, things of heaven. Remember what life is really about. Paul is over and over and over saying it in different ways. Remember what is truly important. And what he always is doing is he's trying to get their focus on Jesus. And he's trying to remind all of us, including the Philippians, that our joy and our purpose is to be found in Christ. What he did, what he's doing, and what he will do. Again, that doesn't mean that you're supposed to just go, like, fake it and be like, everything's good because of Jesus. Like, be honest. Like, oh, this is really hard, but my ultimate joy is in Jesus. So Paul here, he, he's kind of interjecting this. And it's kind of interesting because do you guys remember what Paul was talking about last week? I, I gave the sermon. It's okay if you don't remember. What is verses 1 through 3 of Philippians? You can look real quick. Just look real quick. 
What's he talking about? He's talking about relational drama in the church. He's addressing relational drama in the church. To the leaders of the church, he's calling out people, and he's calling for unity and reconciliation between humans, between people, between Christians. And I can only imagine, context-wise, like, he might be jumping to a completely different thought, but he's probably connecting it, too, to the drama they're in. Because I don't know about you, but, like, having relational disconnection, relational brokenness, relational drama, specifically with people that are close to you in your life, that's about the hardest thing to go through. That's, that's, that causes, can cause, some of the most anxiety. Right? It's interesting that he talks about anxiety right after he talks about rejoicing. Paul's addressing relational con- uh, discontent relational disconnection. He's calling for unity, and he's telling them, hey, you know what, though? Rejoice in the Lord. Remember where your joy is found. Remember to get your heads out of the weeds. It's, I know there's still drama, but remember where your joy and purpose really comes from. It's all temporal anyway. View eternity, right? That's what he's doing. So the question that I want to challenge us this morning is, what does determine our joy? You can, if you're taking notes, like, you should think about that this week. What determines your joy or contentment or your discontentment, right? Are we easily swayed? Like, do we always feel like nothing's good and nothing's going right? And we're always kind of on a roller coaster and we're always just like a boat swayed by the wind and the waves. Right? We should ask ourselves that. What's, the, what's like directing me? Is it the Lord or the things of the world? And also we should ask, what's truly valuable to us? What is of utmost importance? What is the, the, the thing that we value the most? And unless we have that thing, it determines how joyful or not we are. Right? Again, for the Christian. If you're not a Christian, like I can't, t- I don't know what to say. Because you have, I don't know what your gauges. I don't know what your plumb line is. I don't know what your scale is. But if you're a Christian, you're like, okay, I can, I can give you some, I can give you some, a plumb line. I can give you some direction there because our joy is to be in Jesus despite what happens. And God wants to help us walk in that, right? You guys with me? Okay, so Paul transitions. Again, this is like, if you're reading this letter, he's saying a lot. Rejoice in the Lord. And then he jumps to This idea that we can find peace in life, not only joy, but peace through what means? Through prayer. Did you catch that? Verse 6. Paul, again, to the Christians, to us today, don't be anxious about what? About anything. You're like, Paul, hey, hold on. (laughs) Like, that's a high thing to say, right? That's ridiculous. But he says this. He says, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Again, remember, context-wise, because context of reading the Bible is really important. 
Like, you shouldn't just pull out a verse and apply it to everything in life. Like, what's, what's he saying in context? Right? In context, he could be addressing the relational stuff or certain church issues going on in Philippi. But Paul chooses specifically to generalize it. Do you see that? He doesn't just say, don't be anxious about your current situation you're dealing with, church. He's, he generalizes it. He makes sure the audience knows that this is a more general topic. That what's plaguing the church is anxiety. And Paul is addressing that angst. Right? He chooses to generalize it. And he says, to not live or be controlled by anxiety, a.k.a. stress or worry. Maybe our ears perked up because we're like, oh, really? I, I'm in a constant state of anxiety, stress, and worry. It's like, yeah, like, we, I think we all are. That's why I think it's so relative. But Paul doesn't just say, don't, don't be anxious. But he actually gives us the solution and the remedy. Right? Paul's a pretty practical guy. So he's like, don't be anxious about anything. But rather, in every situation, what should we do? He said we should trade our anxiety for the peace of God. And he says how you do that is through prayer and petition to God. So what Paul is doing here and what God is doing for us today, he's charging this church. Right? Paul is charging the church in Philippi to make our request to God. In other words, to bring our angst to God. Whatever's stressful, whatever's worrying us, whatever woke us up last night, whatever is causing us to lose sleep, whatever is on our mind, top of mind, bring that to God. Paul is begging, pleading, contending for this. Paul is saying, bring our angst to God. Ask, petition God to take it from us and replace it with his peace. This is where this, there, there's this, um, this partnership going on. Do you notice how God is going to do the work, but we actually got to do some work first? I'm not saying, it's not like a workspace salvation. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying God is offering his peace that surpasses all understanding, that'll guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, and it's accessible to us, to the person of Jesus. And Paul says, come get it. Knock, seek, ask, petition, make your request to God. Like, put in your, your whatever, you know, your um, compliment card. Put it in. Write it down. Ask for help. Bring your angst to God. And what will we get? It's not just any peace. But it's a peace, he specifically sends, that will transcend our understanding and it will also guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Well, I'll tell you this, and I'll tell you from um, experience. There have been times when, for me, like I, I am, I would say, I have high expectations of life and how things should go, and I like them to go well, and I'm a planner also. So I like to plan for something, and if it doesn't happen, I have like a couple plan Bs and Cs. 
but realistically, life doesn't work that way, as we all know. And so a lot of times, I become anxious and stressed and worried because I want life to go well, and there's the ability, so you plan for it. I mean, right? I'm not alone in that. But when I've been anxious or stressed in times when I look back at the last 25 years, for me personally, when I've walked with Jesus, I know there's been times where I've t I have. I have done this. I don't always do this, but I have done this in times. There's been certain times in my life where I've just cried out to God for help because I'm stressed and anxious and worried by making a request to him. And there's been times I can recall where to be honest, supernaturally, I just feel at peace about what's happening. And God didn't fix the problem. Right? Because that's the whole point here. It's a peace that doesn't make sense. And a lot of times, this is what Paul's saying. The issue that's causing you stress and anxiety isn't always going to go away. But God, despite what happens, wants to give you peace over the situation. That's a piece that um, transcends all understanding because it doesn't make sense. Like, why am I not stressed out? Why am I not worried I should be? Everyone around me tells me I should be. But Paul says, the way of Jesus is countercultural. It's counterintuitive, and it actually transcends all understanding. This is the piece that is promised when we take our request to God. That's incredible. And again, I can only share my experience, but when I've been saying this, I see a lot of you shaking your heads in agreement that you've experienced this. It's not just me up here trying to like peddle some fake thing. For those of us that have actually, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, made a request to God. We've experienced that, that peace that surpasses all understanding when it doesn't make sense. Right? This is the gift that God is willing and wanting to give us, but we just need to make that first move. It's incredible. It's incredible. And really what God does a lot is when we pray these prayers, when we surrender our anxiety and stress and worry, whatever it is that we are stressed and anxious and worried about, usually how God brings us peace is he recalibrates us to what's truly important and the big picture of it all. Right? Usually it's stepping back and being like, oh man, is that really the end of the world if I don't get that? Or you know what, if that relationship or that job or that amount of money doesn't happen. You know what? Not the end of the world anyway. Right? It brings us out of the situation. It reminds us of eternity. A lot of times when we pray these prayers and we ask God for help, he helps us to be less concerned about the problem and more focused on who he is and what he's done and the big picture. And he reminds us that he is bigger and better and able to redeem any situation, even if the situation doesn't change. Right? This is the way of Jesus. By his grace and mercy, he recalibrates and recenters us when we make our requests known to him. Again, there are caveats and nuances to this. Meaning the Lord can also use, and he does all the time, to complement prayer, he uses a lot of things to free us from stress. Like eating right, 
getting enough sleep, counseling, therapy, like finding healthy, healthy coping mechanisms. God uses all those things also. I've been a pastor long enough where people go, well, I prayed this prayer and nothing's happening. And I ask them more questions and they're like not sleeping and not eating healthy and not exercising and they're not asking for help and they have no community. And I'm like, there's a lot of other stuff the way God designed your body that you're not doing. So by nature, you're just stressing out yourself by all this, not doing that stuff. Right? It's a balance. There's like wisdom. God gives us intelligence and there's things the way he created our body and like got to do that too. So there's caveats to this. But nonetheless... God desires his people. And again, I can only speak to what that means, like the follower of Jesus, the Christian, the disciple. But he desires his people to be full of joy and full of peace. Not necessarily by making us healthy and wealthy and successful. Nothing about that. He just says, I want my people to be joyful and peaceful despite the situation they're in, regardless of the situation, in the good and the bad, with the abundance, with the lacking. I want my people to experience my joy and my peace that supersedes all of this life. Right? This is the vision of the Christian, for the Christian. And when that happens, when we experience the joy of the Lord and the peace of the Lord, what's the result? Verse 5, I think, kind of says it. And it's kind of weird in there. It's kind of a weird insert right in the middle. Paul is, again, charging this group of Christians that our gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. At first I was like, what is, why is he saying this? It's like a weird, it's really weird in the text. Like, I don't know what Paul's thinking when he's writing this. But then I started thinking about it and think about it for a second. Instead of being like wound up and anxious and stressed out, which makes you snappy at everyone, right? We all know this. I've had to apologize many times to your spouse, your coworkers, kids, whatever it is. So instead of being wound up and anxious and stressed out and snappy at everyone type of person, what God's joy and his peace after praying and surrendering, you know what God wants to make us? Like a gentle spirited people. Kind, compassionate, caring, loving people that's evident to all. Because again, if we're honest with ourselves, if we're super stressed out all the time and we're lacking joy all the time, you're not going to have gentleness to be evident to all. Right? Because you're always fighting against the world and having more and wanting more and nothing's good, right? And Paul's saying, but when you rejoice in the Lord... When you bring your angst to God and receive his peace, let your gentleness, because of that work, be evident to all. And then he says, because the Lord is near. And again, what I think that means is Paul saying, if you remember the Lord is near, meaning like having a heavenly perspective or that Jesus is going to come back and return and set all things right, You're going to have this heavenly mindset and you're truly going to know what's valuable. And you're not going to get so caught up with the things of the world because you remembered that the Lord is near. That our life is no longer our own. It's hidden with Christ. 
that we're not citizens of this world anyway. So again, whether God entrusts you with a lot or a little, that's okay. Because that's not the gauge that should interpret our happiness. We should just be faithful and good stewards of whatever he's given us. Tapping into his joy and his peace. You guys with me? Okay, I'm going to wrap up here. So I think it's only right when you talk about prayer that we actually pray. So here's what I want to do. I think it's only right that we practice what we preach. And so I actually, I didn't really tell you this yet, but worship team, can I have you come up? I'm not going to do too much. But during this first song of worship, I'm not going to say instead of worshiping because that's kind of weird. Like if you want to worship, worship. But I want to challenge you with something. And actually, like, I want you to do it. I'm going to do it too. I'm going to find one of you and do it with you. It's a little, it wouldn't be right if, like, I taught on this, like, and we didn't pray. We got to pray. Because I, I actually don't believe you if you're not stressed out about anything. I don't believe you. <laughs> that is not a part of human being. Humanity, this side of heaven. You don't have to, you can, so this is what I want us to do. I would love, please, I would love if you would be willing to either turn to the person next to you or someone at your table, or if you really don't want to do that, walk to someone else in the room. I would love us to, as much as you're willing to share with this person, can it can be in... It can be as little as, like, I'm stressed out about work, very general, or you can actually share with a person what exactly it is that's giving you angst and all the details. Up to you. Because I don't want it just to be uncomfortable. Because already praying with someone that you do or don't know, that can be uncomfortable. But my heart in this is I think it's only right that we find peace through prayer. So let's pray. And so I want to do this with you. And so during this first song, or if it goes into the second song, all good. But I would love if you would find someone next to you, you would just share what is stressing you out and that they would pray for you. And I understand that this is, um, some of you don't want to pray out loud, haven't, whatever. You can tell, just be honest with the person. Be like, hey, I don't really do this. So I don't really like this. You can say like one word. Or you can be like, I will pray for you. Or you can just, just talk to God. Prayer is talking to God. So all it is is this. If you, if you turn next to me and you said, hey, I'm stressed out about work. And I'm just, I don't know if I'm going to get fired or not because this happened. I would say, okay, let me just pray for you right now. And all I would say to God is like, God, I pray for my brother or sister. Again, that's a good way to like, if you forget their name, just say brother or sister. It's a trick. You probably already know this trick. But if you don't know their name, it's okay. Just say my brother and sister in Christ. Pray, God, that you would be with them right now. God, you know their hearts. You know where they're at. You know what email they got last week. I pray that you would give them peace. I pray you'd give them wisdom of how to navigate it. I pray that they'd be your witnesses this week at work. In Jesus' name, amen. You can pray that or you can pray for five minutes. I'm just saying it's talking to God. It's simply taking requests to God. It's petitioning God for what is stressing you out. And let's pray for God's peace to be with us. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray that we're going to enter into this time of prayer and worship. Sound good? Okay, let's do it. God, thank you for the ability to pray. Thank you that your ears are always attentive to our cries.
Thank you that you love us and you want to hear from us. You actually invite us into this. You, you've just done this, and you do it throughout your word. You say, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I want to give you my rest. You challenge us to ask, seek, and knock in prayer so that you can answer us. And once again, we pray, Lord, that as we pray for one another, God, we can't do it on our own, but we pray that your supernatural peace would come upon each of us. God, each of you, each of you, you know the hard coworker we have. You know where our bank accounts are at. You know the relational drama we have. You know what is stressing us out, and we want to take these things to you, and I pray, God, that we would receive your peace and your joy in this place today as we worship. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.